the revamp has led to improved recruiting. Four, four stars. Let's discuss it. You are Locked On Bandy, your daily podcast on the Vanderbilt Commodores, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Vandy Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Corey Burton. Today, we explore how these four-star recruits will make an impact this fall. Malinaldo and Austin Fort will add power to the lineup for the Vandy boys and the men's hoops team. That's all I got to say about that. So thanks for making Locked On Vandy your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So part of the in-progress renaissance that Clark Lee is experiencing and he is well part of this in progress renaissance is Clark Lee signing what could be his best class and among the best classes in program history. He's had three he's had now three top 40 classes in the rivals era, the highest rating in the 24-7 era, which is 2010 and beyond. And according to 24-7, Bryson Coleman and Joseph McVeigh have now earned their four star, which makes a total of four four star recruits. And uh, those two join Witt Edwards and Dante Carter as uh, as the four four stars in the class of 2024 for uh, for Vanderbilt, and they will all add oomph, which is my favorite, uh, which is my favorite, I guess, adjective, verb, adverb. I don't know what you call that. All you grammar people in the comment section can tell me. But they will add oomph to the lineup this fall, man. I'm excited about seeing these guys play because. I think these four guys are difference makers. I've talked about Dante Carter before um, with him playing. Uh, he's got a, such a versatile role within this defense that I think he can kind of play wherever you need him. I think he's going to specialize at free safety. I think that's where he's going to add the most value. But like, I think a pairing of him and C.J. Taylor will be really good. Um, a pairing of him and Randon Fontenet would be really good. And sometimes when they go like, if they go with like a three safety look, like he could come down and play the slot corner and you can drop CJ Taylor back as the free set. Like there's so many different combinations you can do with Dante Carter that I think he's extremely versatile and extremely valuable. All right. Having these guys adds umph to your lineup. And I think it also, before I get into the individuals, we've already talked, like I said, we were talking about Dante Carter, but before we get into the individuals and what their contributions are, I think the reason this adds umph to the lineup is that also recruits say, oh, well, they're starting to attract four stars. What's going on at Vanderbilt? Why are they, why are they going there? Right? What, what's, what's happening? Maybe I should look at Vanderbilt now. Like, and this is, again, this is all a result of what I call the revamp. Uh, where Clark Lee has, you know, have, having some sort of a renaissance in his fourth year of, of coaching at Vandy, kind of figured some things out and he understood that he needed to step in and, and essentially blow the program up and start over, and which is, which is exactly what he's done. He's enhanced the recruiting department. He's enhanced his coordinators. He's taken over defensive play calling himself. Like, there's a lot of things that he's done that we've talked about that I think gives this Vandy team 
at least steps in the right direction. I don't know what that means for win loss totals or if there's any if there's any sort of numbers that's being put on his job security as far as hey you win this many games you're safe or whatever. But I, I think when you see the offers that are going out, you see the people that are visiting, you see the feedback that's happening. Like I think they're starting to get in on kids earlier, and they're starting to make some headway in that. I think the renovations with Vandy United and the Athletes Village is 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 going to pay off in, in the long run. I think that's helping a little bit. It's, it's creating a, another unique venue uh, for Vanderbilt Athletics. Hawkins Field's already that. Memorial Gym's already that. When that's rocking, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but when you have you know Dudley Field as uh, as a unique venue that promotes an environment in which like hey you're not going to get the same things as you would at any other standard stadium. Like you're going to get a whole different experience. And I think something that Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt fans can sink their teeth into. So I think when you look at all those factors, I think that's what make this program. I think that's what makes this program attractive to a lot of, you know, to a lot of players, you add that on to the Vanderbilt degree and the, the value behind that. And I think you get, I think you get some, some real genuine, I don't want to say clout because it's not quite that, but like you get a little bit of credibility now in the recruiting world. It's, it's okay. We play in the best league. You got a really, really good degree. Um, you know, the facilities are improving. The coaching staff is, is doing some unique things and some interesting things. And, and I think that's going to lead to, to, uh, to some recruiting. So Whit Edwards, um, he's going to come in. Uh, they're signing him. As a tight end, I think that's the that's the goal for him. Uh, he's what six five, two hundred pounds. Like he's pretty lanky right now, so he'll play in like he'll get some time in some like I guess wide receivers type uh, type sets and things like that. So um, he'll he'll be a factor, I think, eventually down the road at the tight end position. He's got he's one that's got to come in and gain weight. I think he's already enrolled too, so that's good. Um, but he's got to come in and gain some weight. And he's got to just kind of learn how to do some things. You're going to have, you know, the incoming tight end group, which we'll talk about how they're going to make an impact because uh, because Tim Beck's system is very tight end friendly. Uh, that opens the door for multiple guys to play. Maybe some twelve personnel sets to where you feature more than one guy. Uh, Bryson Coleman comes in as a tight end signee. He is somebody that. Um, that I'm very, very excited about because what he brings to the table is, is uh, well, he brings a lot to the table, to be honest with you. Um, he is, when you when you look at his stature, you know, you, you, just, you just look at him, he's 6'5", he's 190, so he's big and lanky, tall and lanky. So he's one of those, like, wide big wide receiver guys, somebody that you can split out wide and still be, and still be dangerous a little bit. He's somebody that is physical on the perimeter and will block out there. He's somebody that you can uh, eventually, as he as he puts on weight, you can eventually put him down into uh, into an inline tight end. I, I'm not sure you're there yet with him. Uh, and Wood Edwards is six six, says two ten, but he's probably closer to two hundred than he is two ten. But um, you know those guys as they put on weight will eventually be able to play the tight end in various forms. Um, so as, as they're learning, you know, Tyler, Tyler Fortenberry is somebody that's going to come in and kind of bridge that gap for them. But 
I think that when you get into some of these multiple tight end sets, you're going to see some of these guys get involved. Like, Or you may see like if they need a bigger guy on the perimeter in like 10 personnel, they may go 11 personnel and, and uh, bring in some of their smaller guys and put them out on the perimeter and, and, and say, hey, guard this guy, right? And that's kind of what Bryson Coleman brings to the table. That's what, what Edwards brings to the table. Those are two four-stars that I think at that position will be the future based on like the evolution of the tight end position. I think those two are kind of ushering in a new era of tight ends as far as just general for the position. Like no, no longer is it just some huge dude that sits on the end of the line as a glorified tackle. Like tight ends are very versatile. They're taller guys. They're bigger, more physical guys, not quite as fast as wide receivers, but like some of them can move. Like I'm not saying he's Brock Bowers, but like, that's the type of tight end that you're going to get, like the Kyle Pitts, the 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 Brock Bowers, the Travis Kelseys, the George Kittles, and stuff like that. If you can be a, a five tool uh, tight end, you you can uh, you can do a lot of good things. So um, I, I think you should be very very excited for that position, and I, I, you know there's a lot of value there. And we'll talk about how they fit in overall to the tight end room. Um, because that's going to be important as, as you know, you, you evaluate that position as, and as far as like seeing what you have, I, I think that's, you know, I think you have to do that. So, um, but uh, Joseph McVay, uh, wide receiver comes in 6'2", 185 out of Arkansas. Um, talked about him. Um, big physical guy can run. Uh, I, I think he, I think he adds some depth to the wide receiver room that uh, is uh, well, for lack of better terms, is uh, is lacking a little bit of depth. You lose, you know, you lose a bunch of guys to the transfer portal. Uh, you, you bring in, you know, two transfers and three freshmen uh, to add to like four legitimate incumbent guys. Uh, you know, I, I think you have a chance there to really kind of make a difference. And and Joseph McVay is somebody that what I really like about him is that you know when you get down in the red zone, he's somebody that. You know, you can throw a, a fade ball to, and he'll go up and high point. And he's somebody that's physical, can run, um, has you know, just has everything you need to to succeed as as a receiver. He's a bigger target. Um, he's not somebody that's going to jump off the page at you as far as like, oh, he runs a he runs a a four two, and he he can you know he can every time he touches the ball, it's it, it's a touchdown. No, he's a guy that's going to catch a slant. Break three tackles and get a get a monster first down when you need it. He's somebody that's gonna gonna run a curl route, shake a tackle, and 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 go. He can still go the distance. Don't get me wrong. Um, he's a guy that when the ball's in the air, that ball is his right, and he's gonna fight, fight, fight until he can come down with that. And so when you when you have that kind of player, you can find roles for that. For that type of guy, like he can play opposite of Jeremiah Dillon, because Jeremiah Dillon is is the go getter. Jeremiah Dillon is the smooth, fast, deep ball guy. Uh, you have uh, some underneath guys. You have Loic Loic Foundy, who's also kind of your bigger possession target. You know, maybe Joseph McVeigh kind of gets in there, and competes with Foundy as like that role. Like you need twelve yards, he's going to run thirteen. He's going to run fourteen back to twelve, catch it, get the first down, move the chains. He's going to make some big catches over the middle. He's going to run some comeback routes. He's going to be a guy that that can do a lot of different things when uh, when you need it. And he's somebody that adds a lot 
of flavor to this offense. So that's what he means. And that's why it's important. Like that's what the talent these guys bring. Like you, you sign two really good futuristic tight ends. You sign a really good wide receiver. And then also, uh, who who is already a four star? Uh, you sign a really really good defensive back as well, and that helps again with uh, with recruiting down the road. Like if they're four stars, like Joseph McVay, his second choice, his runner up according to twenty four seven was Penn State. You know that's not that's not some like low level school. Like he had some Big Ten offers. He's had. Uh, you know, Purdue offered him, uh, Tulane offered him. You know, there's some group, uh, mostly group of five. Vanderbilt, Purdue, and Penn State had uh, had offered him. I uh, ended up signing with uh, with Vanderbilt. Decided that um, decided that what Clark Lee in this offense was doing is uh, was good enough. And I think when he signed, they didn't have an offensive coordinator in place. Um, or at least officially, they may have like told him, "Hey, this is who we got in place, and this is what they bring to the table." And he said, "Okay, sign me up for that." So um, excited about what these guys bring to the table. I, I think with when you sign four star guys after on the heels of a two and ten season, where your coach's job is in doubt and uh, everything surrounding your program is negative, 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 right? And you can't seem to do anything right. People are talking about you should be kicked out of the SEC. Clark Lee should be defensive coordinating at, um, you know, at Air Force Academy. No no offense to Air Force Academy, but, um, you know, all Vandy is is just a, a home away from home for a lot of teams, which unfortunately right now is true, but maybe – this iteration, this 2024 version is uh, is going to change some of that. But, you know, anytime you can sign a class, one of your best classes that you signed since you've been there and one of the one of the better classes uh, that's been signed over the program's history or even just the recent history from 2000 on, uh, you you have to say, OK, what what is contributing to this? And it's a, it's a renaissance of sorts that that gives you it's the reason that that I came out with the episode that there's some optimism, optimism surrounding the program. It's the reason why I think the bowl game is well within reach and it's a legitimate goal. It's the reason why I think that recruiting will only improve from here because you've got these guys that are good. Like Dante Carter could have, let's see what his offers were. Texas tech. He chose, he could have gone to Georgia tech, Nebraska, Arizona. Like he could have chose any one of those places. But he chose, uh, but he chose Vanderbilt. Like, what does that say about what Vanderbilt is doing and what Clark Lee is doing? He's obviously doing something totally different um, because you're getting a totally different result. So, um, kudos to Clark Lee. Kudos to the revamp. This is yet another perk, another benefit of redesigning your program and putting things in place and getting more involved and getting better people involved in more important positions. So um, the, the needle is pointing up at this moment and hopefully will continue to go that way. But uh, four, four stars, not a bad haul for uh, considering what Vanderbilt had to uh, put out there this past season, going two and 10 and a disgusting two and 10 getting stomped by UNLV for them to, for them to sign this class is pretty uh Pretty amazing. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss, we're going to talk a little more baseball. All right. It's baseball season's right around the corner. So what's going to happen at first base? We're going to talk about that. Stay tuned.
This episode is presented by Game Time. What could you do with an extra $100 in Vegas if you were there for the big game? Would you buy yourself a great dinner? Would you put it all on red? I don't know. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way. Let me get the right thing in there. There we go. FanDuel, you got a free shout-out. Congratulations. All right. So what would you do with an extra $100 if you were in Vegas for the big game? I sure as heck would. I would put it on red 23. Jump, man. Right? Um, so game time is fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, all users get $100 off when you buy the big game ticket with code VEGAS100. It's right there on the screen. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. So what are some things you like about the game time app experience? Uh, Well, they have, uh, well, here's the thing. They have easy to find and buy tickets for any kind of event in your area. You have views from all seats in the venue and the lowest price guarantee event cancellation protection, all of that. That's what I love. So game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets with uh, zone deals, like you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. Um, they'll they'll credit you uh, if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Right now, all game time users get $100 off big game ticket with code Vegas100. Terms apply. Just download the game time app and use Vegas 100, that's V-E-G-A-S 100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, welcome back. Segment number two, uh, talking Vandy Boys Baseball. All right, so this is uh, this is exciting. I, I think when you uh, when you look at what uh, when you look at what is happening with this lineup, it's uh, just absolutely incredible. But first, thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Make sure you make your second listen locked on SEC or locked on college football. They're doing a phenomenal job at discussing all the happenings around uh, the uh, college football world and the SEC world at that. So. Um, when you look at this Vandy lineup, right, what stands out about this lineup is obviously the pitching. Great pitching. They're going to have a hard time nailing down a, a, a starting rotation for the weekend because there's just – one somebody's going to have to be left out, right? Like somebody's got to be left out because you have Futrell, Cunningham, uh, Holton. Then you have McIlvain, uh, Duke, you know, you have the Duke – uh, so you have five guys for three spots and you have a bullpen to fill. So like there's, there's a lot of different things. Still got to pick your closer, all that good stuff. But um, what else stands out about this lineup is I think there's a lot of power and I think there's going to be some, I think there's going to be some wiggle room here uh, with the lineup. But I think with these two, uh, when you have that, these two guys, uh, which are, Chris Malinado and uh, Matt Austinfort are going to give Tim Corbin a lot of flexibility within the lineup to be able to figure out his best 
sources of power. Because I, I think when you when you look at the lineup, you have guys also, and what what makes this difficult and a good problem to have at the same time, like you have Chris Malinaldo, who who is the incumbent starter. He comes in and he started 39 games a year ago, hit hit 307, seven home runs and 30 runs batted in. Um, and he seems to be the guy that's uh, going to have yet another breakout season and uh, and and be and be just absolutely just devastating for opponents. Right? Um, that was him as a freshman. Those stats. So he comes into his sophomore season as kind of the guy at first base. So. Um, but you have Matthew Austin Ford, who also brings power. If you watch him take batting practice, it's he's absolutely putting on a show. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be difficult to keep Austin Ford out of the lineup, too. Like, this is where this is where the uh, this is where the I guess the Tetris game with the lineup comes in, uh, because you're going to have to get creative with how you rotate through that DH spot and how you rotate guys in and out of the lineup like you have. Austin Fort, Jaden Davis, Jack Bolger, and, and Braden Holcomb, um, that all could be in line for that DH spot if they don't have a starting spot um, in the field. Like Jaden Davis is somebody that is coming in from Sanford that can just drive the ball anywhere and and get on base. But like he has Diaz and um, he has Diaz and. Uh, he has a lot of people in his way, really, but he has uh, Koziel as well, Camden Koziel and and uh, and Vastine, uh, Davis Diaz. Like he has all those guys kind of in his way because he can play kind of anywhere in the infield. But really, it's Vastine and and Koziel that are kind of standing in his way. But Koziel, Vastine, and Davis will kind of be the three guys that play in the middle infield. So like, there's going to be some days where depending on the pitching matchup, like Davis might be in the DH spot to add like that third bat like if they need if they need guys that are constantly on base uh you know that that could be a situation or like Molinaldo and Austin Fort uh need to be in the lineup at the same time because you need to have some power because you're going against a, a guy that you know you've got a matchup that could yield some home runs or you're playing in a park or some conditions that are favorable for for home runs and so you need some pop in your lineup. So maybe Austin Fort jumps in as the DH while Malinando plays first, or like Malinando, you know, stubs his toe, needs a break. Austin Fort goes in at first. Holcomb comes in um, at DH because Davis Diaz is playing third and the outfield spots are full. Um, but uh, it's a good problem to have. And I think when you look at kind of the way things are shaped, like there's a lot of creativity that's going to go in this team. Like, when you when you look at this team, like there's a reason why they were they were uh, they were SDC champs, and they have a lot of different things. Like they have depth. Man. This is one of the best like depth teams that I've seen because they have guys that um, that can really kind of and, and guys that are performing. Like, all of these guys are performing in the scrimmages, so it's not, it's not like you know one guy is soaring above the other. Like all these guys are doing different things well um, all over the place. So like. What do you do with the lineup? And if you're listening to this, leave in the comments, like, what are you guys seeing in, in the scrimmages? What are you guys noticing? Like, who, what, where do you think this lineup should fall? Like, I, I think, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you're, I think the only battle left in the infield that we'll talk about is between Koziel and, and Jaden Davis at second base. Like, I think that's kind of Jaden Davis's best shot at, at playing consistently 
is uh, is matching up with Kozil over there at, at, uh, at second base. But um, there's a lot of power in this lineup, and I am uh, I'm very very excited about what this what this brings and the the, the amount of just juice that this lineup brings. So uh, very exciting stuff. I think the corners the corner infield spots are in great shape uh, with these four guys. Um, Davis Diaz, uh, Braden Holcomb, uh, Chris Molinaldo, and Matt Austinford. So I think you're I think you're in really really good shape there on the corner. Your infield just in general is in really good shape. No matter how you shake it, slice it, dice it, I think all these guys are are very very viable in creating uh, some much needed pop in the lineup and and creating just driving in runs and scoring and helping your pitchers out. So a uh, very good problem for Tim Corbin to have is. Okay. Oh gosh. Who am I gonna like? Close my eyes to a dart, and uh, at the lineup card, and say, "Okay, you're a DH now." So, um, not not a not a bad problem to have. So, anyway, when we come back, um, that Vanderbilt men's team, men's basketball, Vanderbilt basketball in general is um, not in a good spot right now. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Stay tuned. All right, we're also brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl for those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I love the cop-out answer is I love everything about the Super about Super Bowl Sunday. So the game, the food, the commercials are all phenomenal. Um, the bets I like to make, I love prop bets. Any prop bet, I like to throw a couple dollars on, stack a bunch of them, and, and just see kind of where where it all falls. So it's uh, it's great. But FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three or four or five. What? So not only can you bet who will win the, who will win Super Bowl Fifty Eight, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, if you join today, you'll get. $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports book partner of the NFL. Well, 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 welcome back. It is the Locked On Vandy podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us your first listen. Each and every day, make sure you follow us on social media at Locked On Vandy. You can follow my ex account right there, Coach Burton36, as well. Thank you to the everydayers for making all this possible. Can't do it without you. So spread the good word. Uh, Vanderbilt basketball. Um, what do, what, oh boy, what do I say about this? All right. Uh, first, you know, the week has not been good for Vanderbilt basketball. Uh, Vanderbilt lost its fourth straight uh, in the women's in women's basketball to Alabama, 74-66. Um, they're just they just can't finish games anymore. Um, they've kind of fallen apart a little bit, uh, especially down the stretch of these basketball games. So the Vanderbilt women uh, not not having the best of luck. But the men's team um, last night. Holy cow. Uh, they're 6-16 six overall, 1-8 in SEC play. Uh, Vanderbilt lost 109-77. to 77. And 
once again, the story of the game was not that you get blown out. That's bad enough. But you get blown out in a venue that is always pro-Vanderbilt, that is always hostile for opponents. It was actually hostile for the home team. All right, As Joey Dwyer described it, Memorial Gymnasium crowd was big and blue on Tuesday night as, as Kentucky completely outclassed Vanderbilt. Yada, yada, yada. All right. So, um, yeah, it, it just – you just blinked and Kentucky was up 15 to start the game. Um, they, uh, you know, they they just – Vanderbilt had no answers for um, – they had no answers for anything that Kentucky threw their way. Uh, the, 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 the talent gap was evident. Um, Rob Dillingham was um, – he was just out there at practice, it seemed like. Uh, a dude trio could get any rebound he wanted because uh, Vanderbilt already had no no presence inside. It didn't matter what Ezra Magnon did. It didn't matter. Um, you know, it didn't matter. They were just completely outclassed, right? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot. And Kentucky finished tonight shooting 55% from the field and 57.7% from three-point range. They shot better from three-point range than they did from, from the field. What is that? Van, the Wildcats out-rebounded out, out Vanderbilt 50-28. to 28. Finished contest with six double-figure scorers, including Antonio Reed, Reeves, who was the leading scorer, finished with 24 points. Um, again, like big blue crowd. All right, I mentioned it just moments ago. Uh, it's it's not good, right? Okay, it's you, you have all these injuries. Like, there's some built-in excuses that Jerry Stackhouse has. And there's some things, you know, obviously that aren't going right for this Vanderbilt program that if you could probably look past. But in this scenario, I don't think you can. Like, that's – like, when that becomes the story of the game – like you get blown out in front of mostly Kentucky fans in your own gym and they take over, like that's sending a message. That's sending a message big time. And I think you talk to any van I think you talk to any Vanderbilt person, that message was loud that mess if that message wasn't loud and clear with the Tennessee game a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago now, three weeks ago. I don't know. Time's time is like like a blur to me right now. Um, it that message was doubled down last night at Memorial, and um, I you know I think Candace Story Lee has to has to see that and has to realize, okay, we are uh, our crowds aren't supporting. Yes, we're making money on tickets. Okay, people are buying tickets, but like. You don't want the Kentucky game to be a Kentucky home game. You don't want like you're you, you don't want Arkansas to come in and hear loud chants of woo pig suey, right? You want this raucous environment that makes it extremely difficult for opposing teams to to function, right? You have a you have an arena that's set up for that. And right now it's not. And you know, I, I think I, 
I, I, I think it's time for a change, right? And I'm sure Stackhouse is a good dude. Like, I'm not saying he's not a good coach. It's just not working out for him here. And maybe, you know, and that's okay. You know, it's not everything is going to work out for everybody everywhere. But, like, I, I think it's beyond repair at this point. I think he needs a change. And I think the university needs a change. Like, you can see, I can tell. And he'll probably never, he would probably never admit this, but like I can tell he's like burnout. I can tell it's weighing on him. You know, the technical foul he got tonight, that was all frustration, right? That's the, that's the one and eight just crushing him. So he needs a change. Vanderbilt needs a change. And you need to, and you need to inject some new life into this program because if you don't, It'll go beyond repair, and you're never going to get it back. There's teams that out there that it took, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs after the Jim Herrick debacle. They were actually of like they went from Tubby Smith to Jim Herrick. They were good for a stretch of time. When Jim Herrick got caught cheating, they made two tournament appearances and were just bloody awful. The rest of the time. Just now, are they somewhat viable and still not quite there yet? Like that was in 2002. You need to change. It's got to happen, right? I could, the stats in this game don't matter. It's the same stuff, the same problems. So I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to break down the game. That's not the, that's not the story here. The story is, the gym was taken over by Kentucky fans, and it, the, 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 it's beyond repair. Things are beyond repair. Stacks burn out. It's time for change. For his sake, for Vandy's sake, it just needs to happen. And that's, that's really all I got to say about that. And, and, and it seems... It almost seems like a broken record, but it's becoming more and more evident every time. Now, 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 do we anticipate every home game being like that? Probably down the stretch, yes. I don't know what your policy is on getting rid of somebody early, but I don't know. Maybe at this point, might want to start throwing your antennas up a little bit. Okay, um, so stay tuned for that. The end of the season is rapidly approaching, so stay tuned for that. But anyway, that's where I'm going to leave you guys off with. Uh, it's a disappointing end to a to a to a game. Um, disappointing night for for Vanderbilt uh, against Kentucky, and so it is. Um, yeah, not good. So anyway, we are the Locked On Vandy Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us your first listen. Find us wherever you find your uh, podcast. Check us out on YouTube, and thank you to the Everydayers for making all this possible. Until next time, we'll see you back here on a Thursday edition of the uh, Locked on Vandy podcast. Anchor down. We'll see you back here tomorrow.